Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Well, if you would turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 9 today. Uh, were you blessed by that testimony? Um, that's what we're here for. Uh, we we want to see Jesus change lives, um, and we, we all we you know the Bible says that we were all once there. We were all sinners. We were all uh, God's enemies, and He did what it took to reconcile us to Himself, and He changes lives. Um, today we're we're in Romans, and we're finally. Uh, concluding the section on uh, that that is heavy on sin, um, and uh, nobody really likes to hear that they're sinners. Nobody wants to hear that. Um, uh, yet Paul uh, has been talking about this from uh, Romans chapter one, verse eighteen, all the way up to the passage we're going to see now. Um, but the reason why he has to talk about the fact that we're all sinners is because without that, the gospel doesn't make any sense. If we need to be saved, well, why do we need to be saved? Because we're sinners. And sin leads to death and destruction and the judgment of God. Today, we're going to look here at uh, how we are all sinners. Jew and Gentile, and that basically means everybody, universally, we are all sinners. And because we are all sinners, we all need Jesus. We need what He did on the cross for us to make us right with God. Beginning of verse 9, Romans chapter 3 says, What then? Are we Jews any better off? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin, as it is written. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and mercy, uh, misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would use your word, Lord, to bring life. Lord, we pray that you would enlighten our eyes. Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to believe. 
And Father, we pray that Your Word would unite with Your Spirit. And You would, by Your Word, make us more into Your image and bring faith into the hearts of darkness. Lord, we love You. And we need Your Spirit here for anything good to happen. Lord, we love You in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Paul begins here, what then? Are we Jews any better off? And uh, as we have been, as we think about his argument here in um, the book of Romans, in chapter 1, verse 18, through the end of the chapter, he's talking about the, the guilt of the Gentiles. And how the Gentile world uh, is sinful and it goes on and names all kinds of manner of, of sin uh, because uh, the Gentiles, um, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They um, uh, have, have uh, let, abandoned the Creator and worship the creature instead. Uh, and all of those things, are, our fundamental sin is idolatry. And then in chapter 2, he goes on and says... Uh, well, uh, the Jews are just as bad. In chapter 2, he, he goes on to, to talk about how, how the Jews have, have, even though they have the law, they're hypocritical, they, they have, have uh, not, not lived up to the law. And um, but between chapter 1, the end of the chapter, and chapter 2, altogether, his argument has been driving home this message both Jew and Gentile, and that means everyone, universally, we are all sinners and under the judgment of God. And last week, Paul had a very similar question. In the very first verse of chapter 3, it says, then what advantage has the Jew? Or what value is circumcision? And Paul last week, the passage we looked at said, much in every way. Of course, the, the every way that, 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 uh, that, that uh, the advantage that, that, Paul, that Jews had is the fact that they were the people of whom God had been working through. He gave them the Scriptures and He, he gave them the Word, the Law. He, he also gave them a covenant between um, Abraham and God and, and all of His descendants. Yet here, in chapter 3, we have a very similar question. Are the Jews any better off? And he says, no, not at all. Because we see in the passage we looked at last week, even though the Jews had the advantage of the, of the, uh, of the covenant that, that God made with them and, and of having the law, they did not keep the law. And, and, anyone, and those who have the law were bound to keep it. And if they didn't keep it, they're condemned. And no one did. No one could keep the law. And so Paul here says, for we have already charged, and so he's, he's referring back to the argument he's been making since chapter 1. For we have already charged, both Jew and Greek are under sin. What does it mean to be under sin? Now, when we think about us being sinners, we, we often think about the fact that we do sins. We we lie, we cheat, we steal. 
We do things that are displeasing to God. And we think about sin as being the actions that we do. But the way Paul talks about it here, whenever he says, are under sin, this is talking about the fact that sin is not just the things we do, but it is, a, it is kind of a, a, a power at work within us. We are corrupt and sin is in us. It affects everything that we do. Our minds are sinful. Our actions are sinful. We are born into this world with an inclination towards sin. And that's what Paul means whenever he says all, both Jew and Gentile, both Jew and Greek are under sin. We are sinners from the moment we take our first breath. And Paul said, he, he backs up this statement. He gives an argument from the Scripture for uh, what he's just claimed, that we are all sinners by quoting Scripture. Now, this list of Scripture that he, that he has, it's several verses from several different places. It's not all from the same. The first part, does it, it, it does uh, appear in Psalm 14, but there are several different Psalms that are mentioned here and, uh, and also some verses in Isaiah. So they're not all from the same place. But what he says here is, no one is righteous. No, not one. None of us can please God on our own. None of us can please Him. None of us, all of us are sinners. There is none righteous. If you think you're righteous, better take it up with Scripture. We're none. None of us are. No one understands. This affects our minds as well as our actions. No one understands. No one seeks for God. We might ask, well, I think some people may be seeking, some, some people may be, may be looking for Him. You know, as, as Ron talked about, uh, looking for something to satisfy that, that need. And, and the only answer was in God. The fact is, Paul here, he, and the Bible tells us, none seeks after God. We're going to go seek after our own delights, our own pleasures. Apart from a working of God's Spirit, none of us would seek after Him. It's only when the Holy Spirit changes us that we can seek after Him. All have turned aside. We've all, like sheep, gone astray, as uh, Isaiah chapter 53 says. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. And one way to translate that is together they have become depraved. We have all seeped in sin. No one does good. Not even one. Are we getting the point? Are we getting the point? I mean, he, he, he beats this drum over and over and over again. No one, is, no one is good. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. Together, they, they have, they've all turned aside. They've all become worthless. No one does good. I mean, he's, he's hitting this home. Everyone's a sinner. We're all sinners. 
Then he, he starts to describe the effects. In verse 13, he says, Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips, and their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. How does our sin affect our lives? In our speech. And these are all things related to speech. Um, our, you know, one of the Proverbs says that the, the, the mouth of the righteous um, is a fountain of living water. It's supposed to be refreshing. What we're, our mouths are supposed to do is bring life. And yet, in our sin, it is an open grave. It brings death. It brings destruction. We, we lie to each other. The venom of asps is under our lips. We curse each other. We, we speak in unkind ways to each other. Verse 15. The next section, he talks about the violence that our sin brings about. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and mercy, uh, misery. I keep saying that. Ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. And all this to say that our sin brings about violence. And maybe we think, well, I'm a pretty good person. I, I, I'm not, I've never killed anybody. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a violent person. We, we, we would be. And Jesus said that, uh, um, you know, if you have hate in your heart, You've committed murder in your heart in the Sermon on the Mount. And if it were not for God's common grace restraining us through the law, we would all give full reign to our passions. God's restraining grace by, by consequences. Think about it. If there were no consequences, if you could just do whatever you wanted to, when you got angry... If you didn't have to worry about what other people would think, if you didn't have to worry about getting arrested or going to prison or anything like that, each one of us, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, would give full reign to our anger and murder. <clears throat> Verse 18, Paul grounds this all under one heading. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Why is it that there is no one, no one righteous, no, not one? Why is it that no one understands? Why is it that we've all turned away? Why is it that our speech is corrupt? Why is it that we have violence in our lives? It's because we have no fear of God before our eyes. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, is what the Proverbs tells us. And... Uh, Ecclesiastes tells us that the heart of the matter is to, to fear God and do His commands. When we have no fear of God before us, we, we do what Psalm 14 says, the, the fool says in his heart there is no God. I think that's very closely related to this here. There, there's no fear of God before their eyes. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Uh, um, we, we, we sometimes think about that verse and, and apply that to the atheist out there. 
Oh, the fool says in his heart there is no God. Oh, oh, oh you, you atheists are all just fools. But that's not, I think, what it needs, needs to mean. The understanding is, we, each time we sin, each time we act the fool, it's because we're dismissing God. We're saying, oh, he doesn't really see. He doesn't really care. We, we suppress this idea, that we, not, not idea, we suppress the knowledge of God in our own heart. And we go on and we do what we want to do regardless of what he says. And we have no fear of God in our hearts. Now Paul then moves on. He says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the world may be held accountable to God. Now, this, this may take a little bit of explanation. We know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those that are under the law. Well, of course. It's, it's speaking, it, the law was given for the Jews. It speaks to those who are under the law. And what Paul is arguing here is the law was given to the Jews so that every mouth may be stopped. And the whole world will maybe held accountable to God. How does every mouth get stopped and the whole world accountable to God by the Jews having the law? Well, here I think is, is it. The Jews had the law and it was unable to justify them. The Jews had the law. They had all those advantages of, of having the law, of having a covenant with God, and it wasn't enough to save them. And so if, if having all those advantages wasn't enough to save them, then anyone who didn't have all those advantages, the Gentiles, you could say, you could try to make your case before God, oh, well, I didn't have all those advantages. Well, even if you did, you still wouldn't have obeyed the law. You see the logic there? And so, by the Jews having the law and not obeying it, here, he's done this so that every mouth may be stopped. When we stand before God one day at the judgment, we won't have any argument to say, well, you know, God, you're really not being fair. You really need to let me in. We will have no argument. Every mouth will be stopped. And the whole world may be held accountable to God. Jew, Gentile, all people will all stand before God and will all have our mouths silenced. We will have no defense except to plead the blood of Jesus. And finally, verse 20. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Nobody will be justified. Nobody will be made right with God by the law. Nobody can. You can't be saved. You can't be made right with God by following the law. It won't happen. And he gives us a reason why. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. What does that mean? The law 
incites sin in us. Romans 7 talks more about this. You know, what do you do? What, what, what happens whenever uh, you've got a, a plate of cookies out and you tell a kid, don't touch them, don't eat them, what are they going to want to do? They're, yeah, you leave them alone in the room and probably there's going to be some missing. And even if they don't, they want it, right? They want it. You tell somebody, don't do something, what is it that they're going to want to do? The very thing that you told them. So that's what the law does. When we're told, do not commit adultery. We wouldn't know about the law. We wouldn't know about sin if it weren't for the law. The law, um, it, it awakens sin in us. It makes us want the very thing we're told we don't need. That we're not to have. And because of that, no one can be justified by the law. Is what Paul is arguing. So, all of this leaves us in a desperate place. Here we, we, we see that Paul is arguing, everybody's a sinner, every, nobody has any excuse before God, nobody's going to be justified by the law, and we have to ask ourselves, then what? How can we be justified? How can we be made right with God? Well, we're only a few verses away. Now, while this is next week's sermon, I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. We're sinners. We have no hope in the world without Jesus. But God put forward His Son, Jesus, as the propitiation. He was the one who satisfied the wrath of God for us. And if we have faith in Jesus, if we trust in Him, then we can be changed. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us and we can have a new life. We were were once His enemies, we can now be called His sons and daughters. Romans chapter 3, these uh, verses we've been looking at, they can seem heavy and dark, but it's in the darkest night. When you go out into 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 the outside and you look up into the sky when the stars shine the brightest, right? You don't have the city lights to you you got the, the full dark out in the country. You can see the light shining. We need chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. We need it so we can, we can have that pitch dark so that when we look at the gospel, it seems all the more beautiful to us, all the more wonderful to us. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.